Welcome to Willow Park Church, and we're glad that you have joined us online to worship the Lord, to hear from the Bible, and to spend that time relating to the Father and allowing God to speak to you. We are so happy that you've been able to join us in this way. It's been an amazing week at Willow Park Church. Uh, just the way that God has been moving and speaking and encouraging with different activities. Um, hundreds of young people are now starting to engage with us in their different groups, in those safe bubbles, in those cohorts, all words we never used to use. But now we're developing a safe way to disciple the next generation. Kids Club is coming up very soon as well. And that's been exciting to see how that's come together. We're able to achieve, but always safe always approaching it with the protocol that is offered us from the BC government and always aiming to keep the doors of the church open so that we can share the good news of Jesus. So this past week, uh, hundreds of teenagers have gathered all over the city in this building, in different venues, being able to be taught the scriptures. So keep praying for our church. Pray for protection. Pray that we do everything correct and we do everything right. But it is exciting. So you've joined us online. Please keep in touch with us. Drop us an email. If you've enjoyed the sermon, let us know. If you haven't enjoyed the sermon, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but we want to bless you and we want to encourage you. Today, the worship is led by Luke Madden. And I know that as he leads us in this time, can I encourage you to just sit wherever you are. Let the worship wash over you. Let the Lord whisper to you, open your Bible and spend this time as holy space and devotion to God at this moment. And I really do believe that when we take that space, God comes and speaks to us. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for all my brothers and sisters that are joining us online, whether on Facebook Live or on our church platform, wherever they're joining us around the world. I pray that today's gathering will be a massive blessing in their lives, that you'll be with their families, their loved ones, and we welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit into homes right the way across this nation and beyond, in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Me and my mom worshiping today. This is going to be awesome. We're having a lot of fun. Um, I just invite you guys, as we sing these songs, we're singing, Good, Good Father, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Here I am to worship, like, to really think about the God that we're worshiping here, to really think of him as a father who loves us and shows us such affection and tenderness and that he came and he died for us and took our place and all for love's sake became poor. Like we're worshiping that God this morning. So I'm just gonna pray and I'm gonna invite the Holy Spirit to wherever you are, just to fill you and to be present and to, um, yeah, that you'd really know that God is with you and that he loves you and that he cares for you and that he wants you to, to follow him and to, to worship him and to know him because that's, that's the life that is, that's the best life we could ever live. So I'll pray and then we'll, we'll start singing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can praise you for you are a good, good Father. That no matter what's going on in our lives, all the struggles that we're facing, all the battles that we're facing in our week or in ourselves or outside of us or anything, God. I thank you that you are the one that we can turn to. We know that you hear us and that you will deliver us, Father, in your own timing and in your own way. And, and we can trust you and that you're constantly with us, that you constantly love us. So God, as we sing to you that you are a good, good Father, I pray that you'd soften our hearts, Holy Spirit, that we would know you and that we would know your love more deeply and more intimately than we ever have before. I pray this all in Jesus' name, Jesus' wonderful name, amen. And I've heard a thousand stories 
together lovely, you're altogether worthy, you're altogether wonderful to me, God. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to rush by it. I don't want to be thinking about anything else right now, Lord, but you. Please center our eyes on you, God. Turn our eyes upon you. Captivate us, Lord, not because you're anything less than captivating, but because we're so easily distracted. Father, I pray that we'd worship you with our whole hearts. Let's sing this again.
And as we head into communion, Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes to see you, Lord, that we wouldn't miss you, that we wouldn't be distracted, Father, that we would center our attention on the most important thing in the universe, which is you. God, that you died for us, that you sent your son, you died for us because you loved us so much and we were dead in our sins and we needed salvation, God. And you came and you gave it to us. You offer as a free gift for all who would believe. So I pray for all of us who do believe and all those who don't, Father, open our eyes that we would see you. Father, that we'd believe maybe for the first time in your salvation and who you are, God, that we would call upon your name. Say, Jesus is Lord of my life and believe that he was raised from the dead after the cross, Lord, and be saved. And I pray for those of us who have believed that, Lord, that you would revive our hearts and that you would awaken us again to what that means. Lord, our sins are gone. Our punishment, death, hell is beaten because of you. We love you. Open our eyes. Bless the rest of the service, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Sarah, for leading us and sharing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That hymn means so much to so many of us. It's historic. It's powerful. It's rooted in brokenness. And then God's salvation comes and works. You may know the story of it, that it was a captain of a slave ship that wrote that after he met the Lord Jesus Christ and his life was completely changed and he devoted his life to ministry, to serving the Lord. And then he wrote such an amazing hymn that has been shaped and reshaped, but the words still linger, are still with us. So as we pause now to take communion, let's remember what amazing grace it is. And Father, we thank you for the body of Jesus that was broken for us. And we remember the cost of your son on the cross. Where you gave your life for us. And we bless this bread and we remember and we give thanks for the amazing presence and work of our Lord Jesus Christ what he achieved, what he accomplished by dying for our sins. Thank you, Lord. You paid the price and you've set us free. The body of Christ broken for you. Father, thank you for the power of the cross. Such amazing grace. And Lord, we thank you for the blood. The blood that flowed from the hands and feet, from the side, from the head, from the wounds of the whipping. Your blood poured out. And your blood spoke. We remember right the way back in Genesis when Abel was murdered by Cain. The words of the book of Genesis said that his blood cried out for vengeance. The blood of Jesus speaks today and it cries out, but it cries out for forgiveness. There is no more vengeance. There is forgiveness. And the blood of Jesus speaks forgiveness. The blood of Christ that takes away the sins of the world. Amen. Well, we're going to move right now to the sermons. And can I remind you that we're in this hidden series. And we've been unpacking the desire to pursue God, first of all. That desire not to have the crumbs, but to have the baked bread of heaven. We've also talked about the, the difficulties we encounter. And yet Christ has given us a treasure within. 
And what brings us joy, what brings us love, what brings us peace, what brings us hope is the word of God living in our lives. And when you face problems and difficulties, when you receive the word of God, it changes your perspective. How do you receive the word of God? Well, through abiding in Christ. Through spending that time of intimacy and closeness to Christ, that's how you travel to that point to hear God's whisper. Last week we heard about humility and the power of humility to be teachable, to be open, to humble ourselves to one another. And so now we're stepping into the theme of wilderness, how we cope with the wilderness and the pain and the difficulty. So be blessed. Enjoy these messages wherever you're listening and may the Lord minister to you. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. Last week, our youth group started up again. GLOW is for grades 9 to 12, and it happens each Wednesday from 7 to 9 p.m. JUICE for grades 6 to 8 happens Thursday nights from 6.30 to 8 p.m. This week is youth care groups, and youth will be contacted by their leaders with details about what they are doing. Learn more at cahoots.ca. We are now offering a free monthly subscription box for all of our Willow Park kids to enjoy. Inside, you will find crafts, activities, family challenges, and more that will make Kids Church Online just a little more fun and interactive. What's even better is we will deliver the box right to your door once a month. If you haven't already signed up for our fall box subscription, you can sign up today on our website. We would like to invite our friends who are 55 plus to join us for our first hymn sing and seniors Bible study happening Wednesday, October 21st at Church at 33. Online registration will be opening soon, so watch our website and your email for more details as we get closer to the date. For more information, please contact Pastor Curtis. We are once again raising funds for Child of Mine, which supports two children's homes in northern India. A group of runners and walkers will be doing a virtual event October 17th, and this year the funds raised will go towards post-secondary education for graduates of the homes. Learn more at childofmine.ca events. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Well, we want to thank you for joining us this morning at uh, 11 o'clock service. For those that are joining us online, uh, I'm delighted that you have uh, joined us, whether on Facebook Live or our church platform or wherever you're watching this, uh, around the country, around the world, and also to all of you this morning that have gathered together to worship live. It's so good to see you. For some of you, we just haven't uh, been able to see you and it's your first time to come and to join in and to um, worship. And I just want to say thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for the effort. Thank you for engaging. I, uh, I really do pray that God will bless you. We are living in strange times, aren't we? I tell you. Honestly, every week I go, we're living in strange times, and then something happens in the news that it's even more stranger. Have you noticed that? <clears throat> I won't go into detail about what happened this week, but you know what I'm talking about, don't you? A certain president. And, 
and the world is changing and, and we, we, we're watching things unfold and we all feel like we're all in an episode of, um, of you know, 24 or something uh, uh, with Kevin Sutherland. And uh, we're just, just wondering about what's going to happen in the future. I don't see us so much in an episode of 24. I see, and I keep telling pastors this. Because I spent a lot of time talking to other pastors. And this week uh, we heard uh, about a breakout in, um, in a church in Kelowna. And I was happy to call up the pastor there and, and just hear his heart and what a blessing and everything they'd done. Really magnificent. Uh, but I always say to pastors, you know, we are on the toughest race. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you happen to have Amazon Prime, you will know that Bear Grylls uh, overseas called the toughest race. 600 kilometers uh, through the wilderness, 67 teams, and they have to change from discipline to discipline all the time. I don't want to spoil it for you, but I will. And... And, and, and at the end, you know, there were these guys like saying, oh, yeah, we've never done an adventure race like this before. Oh, they're going to be painful. And you've got like iron, um, uh, iron men who, who have done uh, numerous uh, uh, iron men championships uh, by the side of the road crying. Uh, because in the race, you have to go on mountain bikes, you have to run marathons, you have to swim down rivers, you have to do this. But all the time, you have to change all the time from one thing to another. And it's hard. Amazingly, uh, the New Zealand team won. Ah, they are good. But incredibly, the Canadian team came second. I know. We are amazing. Now, I'm going to own Canada because the English team came about 30th. And... They completely failed. Um, and, uh, and, who, and the Australians, uh, they came in third. But, you know, Australians, they're, they're always there, aren't they? Um, but, but the one thing I know is that, that it's tough. And you have, you have guys with hypothermia and they're, they're, they're being rushed to a hospital. They're, they're doing this. And every time they're like on their mountain bikes, going through thick mud, and then they're, um, then they're traversing uh, Fiji's highest waterfall, a thousand feet straight up, up the side of a waterfall. And then they, they get to the top of the waterfall, then they have to swim eight kilometers along the river where the waterfall comes from. That is what I think it feels like now. But we've got to decide whether we're going to stick with the race that God has put us on or whether we're going to give up. We've got to decide whether we are willing to change and adapt and keep changing and adapting or we are going to give up. And I believe that for Willow Park Church, God has called us to keep going, to keep believing and to keep moving forward. That is our mandate. Our mandate is to declare the word of God. Our mandate is to move forward. Our mandate is not to step out, but to step in. Not to abandon the faith, but to dive in deeper and to go farther and to go farther into Christ. Each one of us has this call on our lives. Each one of us is called to lead. Each one of us is called to influence in this day. Each one of us has to step in to the priesthood of all believers where we know our authority and our power is in Christ Jesus and you are called as a daughter and as a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so as we step into this, we all have choices to make and our hidden series really deals with the areas of spiritual formation that we're going to be keep unpacking. We started off by talking about pursuing God. Are we pursuing God? Are we hungry for God's presence? Are we willing to come to him and to look for him and to find him? Is, do we know him personally within our lives? Are we willing to humble ourselves? Are we eating spiritual crumbs or are we feeding on the bread of life, on God's great bakery in heaven? And I think for many of us, we are tired of crumbs and we want to feed on the bread of heaven. 
We want to be revitalized by the presence of the Holy Spirit at work within our lives. We want to move forward in what God has called us to do. I mean, I don't want crumbs when I can have the bread of heaven, when I can know his presence within my life. Secondly, we looked at the whole area of when we go through difficult times, how do we keep going in difficult times? Well, the truth is this, the grace of God is sufficient for us. What is the grace of God? The grace of God is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ within your life. You are a vessel. You're a very nice bunch of vessels. Uh, You are a clay vessel, the Bible says. But we are cracked and we're broken. But within us is a treasure that shines through to the glory of God. And that treasure is what? That treasure is the Lord Jesus Christ. That treasure is what God has placed within us. And it is the treasure of God within you that will keep you going and keep you believing. I'm relieved about that. And then we can't run this on our own fuel. You know, we need our physical fuel. Yesterday I climbed a mountain. And uh, with uh, my friend Shane Baxter, we climbed to the top of uh, Josh Mountain, just outside of Sycamore, Sycamore, and I want to rename it. Um, And got to the top, it was 900 meters ascent, and I was hungry. And, And we had purchased, yes, the food of heaven. We had purchased a subway. And on top of this mountain, we ate our one foot long subway. It was... It was overwhelming. And, but you know, physical food is good, but we own the fuel that we need is spiritual fuel. We need the living word of God. And when you have the word of God at work in your life, you know what happens? You receive peace. You receive joy. When you have that now word where God speaks to you, suddenly the battle doesn't seem so hard because you've got hope. And you've got love. When you do not abide in Christ, you will wither and die. And when we stop having our devotions and when we start coming to the Lord, um, you know, our spiritual faith is not murdered. Our spiritual faith, we commit suicide. Because we are choosing not and we wither and we die because we are not abiding in the word of God. We're not abiding in Christ. We're not coming close to him within our lives. And last week, Pastor Jordan Pilgrim spoke about humility and spoke about that the position of a growing Christian is one who is humble and willing to grow, is willing to learn, that we are willing to humble to one another and care for one another and look at one another and be interested in one another. This is the way, maybe as you watch online, join our hidden uh, series and know that we're on this journey. And so I want to talk to you. Well, here comes the next slide. It's placed there. Don't forget, uh, keep the Keep the generosity flowing. I know you've been so awesome uh, with the way that you give uh, and the way that you care for this church. And we're so grateful. Give regularly, give generously, give sacrificially. Be willing to, um, to keep the gospel moving. Why? Last week, I don't know, I'm going to make up a number, but I know there were a lot. We ran something grade 6, grade 7, grade 8, grade 9, grade 10, 11 and 12. You see, I can count. I can be a pastor. Seven grades were present in this building over two days in groups of 50. So, you know, I reckon there was over, reaching again, over 150 children and youth being discipled. And, and that's good, you know. And it was a lot of work because everything is compliance. Everything is, na- you, know what, you know what it's like to get into church today, yeah? It's like, it's like we, know, we know everything about you now. It's the first time I know who's really come to church and who isn't. Um, it's all on computer so we can track you. Um, but the point is, is that we are still called to disciple the next generation. We are still called next Tuesday. Kids club is happening um, safely in pods, in groups. Uh, 
always complying to the letter of the law of British Columbia to honor the authorities, but to keep the gospel moving. And um, I want to talk to you about the wilderness that you may have been through that shapes us. Maybe you faced a sickness, maybe you faced a, a relationship breakdown, maybe you faced a difficulty within your life, maybe your job itself is creating a wilderness experience. I don't know, maybe it's just you sense a lack of connection with the Lord and you feel this within your life and it's tough and you're in a wilderness experience. Why do wildernesses exist? Particularly when you're seeking God. Why do we go through times of difficulty? Well, very simply, what we have to do is we realize that God is more interested in shaping our character than anything else. That he's interested in shaping us, in forming us, in creating something magnificent within us. When I was at school, I had to do pottery lessons. That was the kind of school I went to. And, um, and we all get on the, there was a whole row of pottery wheels. And you know, you're grade seven and you jump on and, and it starts spinning and you put the mud on. Oh, mud, <laughs> uh, the clay. Um, didn't work well with mud. And you put the clay on and then you start to spin the wheel and you create and you've got this vision in your mind as a seven, grade seven year old boy that you're going to create the most perfect, perfect vase for your mother. But it, and I'm trying to form it, and it's it's and you're putting more water on it, and the water's going everywhere, and the the wheel's getting quicker and quicker, and it is not, you know, very successful. Now I know that over over time skill came, and we managed to do it and pass the class. But I know that when the hand of the potter is at work within your life, it is a process of his hand shaping your character. And what happens in the wilderness, he comes and he shapes your character. And it's a frightening thing at times. But as, as, as Jeremiah talks about the potter and the shaping of the character. But let me talk about this verse. Before I formed you in your mother in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Just to remind you that there is a pro-life uh, chain link today at 1 p.m. on the Highway 97 by the um, Dairy Queen there, as it is every year on the 4th of October. I've been myself, and uh, just to be aware of that, to pray for that and to think of uh, what is happening. And the reason we're actively involved in that is because we believe in the sanctity and the beauty of life. Before I formed you in, your, in the mother's womb, I knew you. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said, Now I have put my word in your mouth. See, today I've appointed you over the nations and the kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. In other words, you have natural talent and ability that God has placed within you from the very womb. God saw you. God knows you. But to get you from here, your natural ability and your natural talent and who you are to fulfilling your assignment that God has given you in life, there is this bit in between where God wants to work on our character because we know that character is king. Yes, we can have charisma. Yes, we can have gifting. Yes, we can be talented. Yes, we can, can speak a certain way and carry ourselves. But every one of us knows that what really counts is what is below the water line. My friend is going to sail from Tokyo or from Japan to Vancouver in the Pacific Solo. He is uh, 65 years old. He's 10 years older than me. And he's getting ready to, to sail. And I know in one year's time, he's, he's a novice and he's been training and doing for this, ready to do uh, this great uh, attempt of going across the Pacific Ocean. But I, I understand how, how sailing boats work. The truth is, if the weight of the keel isn't heavy enough, that boat will flip over. 
the weight below the waterline has to be heavier than the weight above. And that's the truth for our lives and our character. That what is formed below and deep and hidden has to be heavier than what the rest of the world can see. And often we fail in our Christian walk is because we, we do not go deeper and hidden. And when the storms come, we flip over because the weight of our hidden life isn't present. And part of our drive as a church is, yes, to say, come on, the Lord wants to build your character. He wants to build your hidden life. He wants to be with you, that you can go deeper and farther into God. We are weak. We are foolish. And, and, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He has chosen the lowly things of this world and the despised things. I mean, I think for many of us, we feel and have had these emotions as if we have no value of no purpose, that we are lowly, that we, have, we are shameful. And yet God looks at our vulnerabilities and he looks at our weakness and he says, you're just the kind of person I can use. I want to grab hold of you. I want to take you and put you on the potter's wheel. I want to form you and I want to shape you and I want to be with you and I want to help you. And we know that just pure education does not do it. We know that it's about so much more in life and success. You know, I may have my Masters in Theology from Gloucester University, a great British university, but I know that they didn't actually really equip me to be a pastor. I mean, they never did a 101 course in pandemic pastoring. They never uh, taught me about a 101 in, in, in character formation because you realize that, that, that statistically it shows that most pastors come in with high uh, self-worth and they often leave the ministry with lower self-worth than they went in. I wonder why that is. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, because you're wonderful. But it's true. That there, is, there are things, but we are formed in our character, in our weakness, in our vulnerability, in the difficulty that we face. You know, uh, after climbing this mountain, we stood around talking to four uh, engineers from the university here, UBCO, who had climbed the mountain. We were working out which cars belonged to which people. Uh, just a little game. And, and when we spotted the cans of beer underneath the car cooling off, we thought they were from the university. And we were right. Um, and they came down and, and, you know, but I know, talking to them, third year university engineer students, the truth is education is one thing, but experience and character will be what gives them the ability in the future. True? It's the same principle spiritually. And I look at, I haven't got time to kill you with PowerPoints, but I want to talk about Moses. Because Moses is an example of somebody highly equipped, highly developed, was told from a small child that he was destined to greatness, was raised in Pharaoh's court, was able to articulate himself and able to navigate the fineries of the great Egyptian empire, the longest lasting ancient empire through, through thousands of years. And there he tried to bring about revolution and change in his own power, in his own strength, in his own brilliance. He murdered an Egyptian official and out of his own arrogance, his own pride, his own um, belief in himself as a royal son of Pharaoh and yet able to free his people, he was propelled from that position of influence for 40 years into the wilderness. Now, what was God doing with him for 40 years in the wilderness? Was this the longest ever leadership seminar you'd ever go on? 
Was God sort of teaching him? Oh yes, you know the principle? Here we have our sheep walking across a hill. There's a principle there that, that people have to walk across a hill. Mm. I do not believe he was there to develop his leadership skills. I believe that Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years to prepare his character to do the greatest thing in Israel's history, apart from the coming of the Messiah and Christ dying on the cross. He was being prepared in character to lead the people out of slavery. He tried in his own power, but now God had to form his character. And how many of us have been through tough times and we just know that when we ended up in the wilderness, we came out of the wilderness prepared. Look at the book of Exodus. As you think about the book of Exodus, if I was to do an Exodus Bible survey, I would see that within the book of Exodus, there are four, there are a number of major themes, but four major themes. Theme number one is that the supremacy of Yahweh or Elohim in that this writing of Exodus is highlighted that Yahweh is absolutely supreme. There's no other gods, there's no other power, that God is number one and even Pharaoh has to bow his knee to the power of Yahweh. That's theme number one in Exodus. Theme number two in Exodus is the presence theology. It's what's called Emmanuel theology, the presence of God with his people. They give over something like 20 chapters to the building of the tabernacle in Exodus. You, you need to slow down when you're reading scripture. When scripture takes a long time to describe something, it means that God thinks this is pretty important. And what is the tabernacle all about? It is about the presence of God being with his people. It's about the presence of God traveling with his people. Number three theme is about redemption and deliverance over the tyranny of slavery. Is that God came to deliver and redeem his people through the Passover. And number four is the giving of the, of the law, the Mosaic law that God gave through the Pentateuch. And there it is in, in Scripture that God gave the law to affect life. Now I guarantee you that if you've entered a time of wilderness and you've been broken and you've come out the other end still with faith, I guarantee you that four things change in your life. Number one. You realize that you're not in control and the supremacy of Jesus Christ is number one. That you have surrendered your whole life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. To Yahweh. We sang the beautiful songs Jenna and Jesseth shared as they led us so marvelously. That is, that is what happens. When you've been in the wilderness, you come out the wilderness and you know who's number one. You know who is the Lord. You know who is number one. Secondly, when you've been in the wilderness and your character's been shaped, you come out of the wilderness and you know without a doubt that the only way that you can do life is in the presence and the power and the power of the Holy Spirit within your life. Because you've given up your own fuel and you've looked now to the fuel of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. The presence, you know that it's time in your life to keep tabernacling with Jesus. To keep close. Number three, you know that actually it's all about his redemption, his deliverance, his presence. He has set you free from the slavery of sin and death. And Christ gained the victory. And number four, the centrality of the importance of scripture and the law of God within your life. Those four things change in a person's life when they've been through wilderness. And Moses wasn't in there to become a greater leader. He had those leadership skills for the ancient world. Moses was there so that he could have that moment and look at a burning bush and ask the Lord, who, who are you? I am who I am. In other words, I sustain everything. Everything that you see that is visible has been created by me invisible. So get on with the program. 
Know that God is with you. Know that God will guide you. Know that God will strengthen you. Know that he's there. And the question isn't, can I trust God? The reason there is wilderness is God is asking the question, can I trust you? Can I trust you with the next assignment? Can I trust you with the next season in your life? Can I trust you with that ministry? Can I trust you where God has placed you? Can I trust you in your life and what you're going through? Can I truly trust you? That's a humbling thing. Because if I want to move on in my walk with God... I need to allow God to mold my character, even in wilderness. The wilderness experience is for character formation, not for leadership formation. We can all learn about leadership principles, but God's interested in our character formation. And don't we all fail? I mean, on one hand, I'm awesome in this. (laughs) And another one, I'm like, oh, why did I say that? Why do I do that? I am weak. And that's why we need grace. Husbands, you know that sometimes you are awesome and sometimes you fail. I mean, I did say in the first service, how many of you husbands know that sometimes you don't do the best job? And you look at yourself and say, why did I say that? I I kid you not, in the first service, there were some ladies putting their husbands' hands up. It was awesome. I actually grabbed the hand and put it up. Hey, we've got to be able to step back. We've got to know that that actually um, there are two ways to go. We can either go the way of Saul or the way of David. Now, for those of you who don't understand the biblical difference, Saul was the first king of Israel. Saul was the handsome, dynamic Disney prince with the long flowing hair. Saul was dynamic. He was articulate. He he was an internet um, sensation, Saul would have been. He would have had millions of likes on his Instagram account if Saul would have been around today. He was fantastic. And they loved him. They finally had a king. They finally had the man. And the man became proud, the man became arrogant, the man became rebellious, the man committed a terrible sin of murdering the priests of the house of God, and the man became conflicted with his own insecurity because in who he was, he was not willing to allow God to shape his character. We have David, and we all know his failings, But the truth is, David was called son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. You see the difference? The difference is, he will do what Lord Yahweh, what Jesus Christ wants him to do. And that is the difference of what we have to wrestle with. Do we do what the Lord wants us to do? Or do we do what we want to do? Do we do Saul or do we do David? Will you do what God requires you to do? And we're going to be talking a lot about character in this series over the time. And a lot about abiding. And a lot about that relationship. But it's about... Who you are determines what you reproduce. It's about your character. It's about who you are and the way that you, you know that in family life. The way you model it in your family life. I mean, I'm not kind of at that age with my kids where my kids are going to say, oh, it was so wonderful. You know, I'd get up early in the morning to do my shift and there would be mum and dad or dad sat in the chair with his Bible open and you always knew that he would be there. They're kind of not at that age. That's the kind of thing men in their 50s say about their parents, not, 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 not teenage 17-year-old girls. Oh, I woke up and dad was there with his Bible and asked me a load of questions. Where are you going? What time are you back? Where you do that? You know, they'll forget that later on. 
But one day, they'll remember certain things. They'll remember what was done. They'll remember what was modeled. They'll remember the words that were spoken. They'll remember the modeling that you showed them. And and who you are determines what you reproduce. That's why the Apostle Paul said to the elders on that beach scene in Acts chapter 20, when they were all there saying goodbye to each other, says, keep watch over yourself. And although this was said to the Ephesian, Ephesus elders, I think these words apply to us even today. Friends, keep watch over yourself. And we have to do that, don't we? You know, I talked about husbands and wives. Sometimes I have to take myself and step out of myself and look at myself and watch myself and say, and have a dialogue with myself. Because I did not do very well there. I did not respond very well. I've got to be different there. I have to watch myself. I allowed myself to speak in an inappropriate way. I have to watch myself. Our faith is to be exercised primarily through modeling. People see us. They see the way that we respond. They see the way that we speak. They see the way that we pray. They see the way that we worship. They see our character. We understand. And so that we are all called to model and be an example within our lives. And so when a wilderness time comes, and a wilderness can represent anything that is a wilderness to you, it uh, can be so much uh, to do with so many, so many things about our life and our journey. We have to ask ourselves, what is God birthing in me in the wilderness? And Lord, please get me to the burning bush quickly. Because it's when you hit the burning bush that you see, oh, now I get it. But you're going to have to wander in the wilderness for a bit before you get to the burning bush. But the burning bush means that you get to do the assignment. And the assignment means that you learn to be on top of the mountain, Sinai. And you experience the glory and the presence of God. And know this, that if you handle the wilderness correctly you will come out knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord and sovereign and King. If you handle the wilderness correctly, you will come out savoring and seeking after the presence of God to tabernacle with you. If you handle the wilderness correctly, you will understand that it's all about redemption and deliverance and that you are a redeemed, delivered, saved people. And if you handle the wilderness correctly... You will love the word of God in your life because it's a compass and it brings freedom and it brings life. So the wilderness is there to shape us and it's there to help us so that we may grow and develop. So I just, um, I'm just glad for my wildernesses, even though... I wasn't glad when I was in it, you know? But there comes a time when you even thank God for the pain you've traveled through because you can see the work that God has done in your life. Father, we thank you for the ability to gather here today for this hour. I thank you for my wonderful friends and people that are eager to grow and to be online and to watch, for people to, to gather. Uh, I thank you for Willow Park Church for its um, commitment to keep reaching children and, and, and always adapting on the toughest race and to keep reaching youth and always adapting and willing to do this or do that. And for the groups that are starting, uh, like divorce care, like gather, uh, like deeper, for the different uh, studies that are, are starting to come online now. 
and come together. Father, I pray that you will bless the work of the church and that, God, that you will encourage us all to walk in your character in Jesus' name. Amen.